welcome to another episode of Husky Pop. Our guest today is the champion of the 50th Iditarod Sled Dog Race. He is also one of only six to win both the Iditarod and the Yukon Quest Sled Dog Races. Please welcome to the show Iditarod champion Brent Sass. Hi Brent, how are you today? I'm doing well. With this year being the 50th anniversary of Iditarod, we are going to start off with a little Iditarod trivia. We have five questions for you. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. First question. Who founded the Diderot? Uh, Joe Reddington Sr. Correct. Second question. Who won the very first Diderot? Dick Wilmer. Third question. Who was the first female Diderot champion? Uh... Give me one second here. Libby Riddle. Yep. Fourth question. What was the closest finish? Uh, I don't know what year it was between Rick Swenson and Dick Brackey. second. It was in 1978. Fifth question. 1978, man. Who was the oldest person to ever finish that year on? Joe Reddington Sr. Or Norman Vaughn, maybe. Yeah, Norman Vaughn. Who was it? Norman Vaughn. Norman Vaughn, yep. You got five out of five. All right, thanks. Miracle. (laughs) Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, well, my name is Brent Sass. Um, I live in a place called Eureka, which is about 150 miles uh, northwest of Fairbanks. Um, I live in a remote homestead. I live here with 55 dogs. And, uh, we, I breed dogs and train dogs and raise dogs in the thousand miles of conquest and I did her up. Um, and uh, we enjoy, thoroughly enjoy the lifestyle. Um, and this year we uh, won our first at Pinterest. Has it sunk in that, yet that you are the Iditarod champion? Uh, that's really good. Uh, I, I think it's starting to set in. Once I, got, I just got home two days ago, so it was my first time kind of back at home and life kind of starting to get back to normal, and then you still see the headlines, and I'm, I'm doing a lot of interviews like this. So I think it's starting to set now, but it's still, still pretty surreal. Still pretty surreal. Long, long, long time goal accomplished. It was a, it was a big check to the list. What inspired you to do the Iditarod? Um, well, I mean, it's the dog did. Dog inspired me to do that. You know, they we I've been training with these with these with the dogs for with for for sled dogs for over 20 years, and and um, I thoroughly enjoy the training and and working with the dogs and building the team, and, and I think that uh, in 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 the end, they're the ones that inspired me to uh, to go out down the road and 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 try and race the best race we can. You have had the opportunity to train with some very influential people, among them Susan Butcher. What kind of impact did she have on your career? Wow, huge impact. Susan was a uh, Susan and her husband David were part of getting started. I had that when I when I met them, and uh, but they really instilled the idea of racing. And the, uh, the, the real focus of dog care and just uh, treating the dogs 
the best you possibly can, and that's what's going to get you to the finish line fastest. So I think Susan instilled that in me early on. And um, she, she had a, a huge part in getting me started, and really another inspiration early on that, uh, that sort of lit the fire to want to run the Iditarod. We followed most of your race. We noticed you didn't stay in too many checkpoints. Can you tell us why you didn't stay in many checkpoints? Yeah, you know, my plan is always to, to spend a lot of time on the trail with dogs. Um, I'm all about focus, and, and um, when you stop in checkpoints, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of other things going on. The dogs are generally camping next to other dog teams that are coming and going, so they're not getting the kind of rest they need. And, for, and mainly it's just for me to stay focused as well. Um, when I'm on the trail, I stop on the side of the trail. I am really efficient. I feed the dogs. I get the dogs' care all done. And I'm able to get maybe a little bit of a nap or a little bit of some downtime before I start to hook up and go again. And so doing it out on the trail by myself um, with the dogs just allows me to do the best dog care I can do and, and potentially get as much rest as I possibly can. Yeah. And it keeps everybody guessing. <laughs> you led for quite a bit of the race. Did that make you feel comfortable, or was it difficult to be in the lead? Uh, it was um, really difficult. It was I call it mental, pretty much the entire uh, the entire race because you know we we pulled onto the lead and I and I felt confident about where we were and I felt confident with the schedule we're running. But then you and you have five-time champion Dallas CV just right behind you, you know, and so there's no time to, like, not be thinking about that. There's no, you can't really let that go, and so um, you were constantly wondering, I was constantly wondering if I was making that, if I was doing the right thing, and, and in the end, I just had to really be confident in my plan and, and, and in the dogs, um, and that's what got us through, but it was... Um, it was by far the most challenging mental race uh, for me that I've ever had just because we were in the lead and then we had to continue to fight for that lead all the way to the finish line. There is a video online of some extra conditions you went through along the coast. Can you talk to us about these terrible conditions? Yeah, it was um, it was really windy. Basically, we, when we left White Mountain, we were told that it was going to be a really windy run. Um, the, the closer we got to the coast, the winds were going to get higher and higher, and, and that happened. You know, we we were um, we were in 30, 40, 50, 60 mile an hour winds for a good couple hours, and you know uh, the dogs were absolutely phenomenal. They they were doing their job 100 percent. They stayed on the trail. They were driving straight into these winds. Um, but uh, I had some problems keeping the sled on the trail, and we had side hill where you're trying to basically drive the sled on the, on the, on the side. And um, I ended up flipping the sled and rolling down and off the trail, and um, and we got kind of messed up for a little while there and, and uh, really just had to, had to bunker down and, and uh, make a plan and, and get up and, and get after it. It was one of those moments where you make a decision whether you're just going to throw the towel in on the race and bunker down or if you're going to fight for it. Luckily, we had enough to fight for it, and I, I was able to find the trail as a lift and it took quite a while of searching around because it was basically zero visibility. But once I found the trail, I was able to convince the dogs to get up and go, and, and they, they basically did that just because of our trust and um, uh, the, the loyalty they have towards me, and they just they just figured that I was making the right decision. And they popped up, and we got back to the trail, and 
and uh, we were on our way again. And I was able to keep the sled on the trail for the rest of the run. It's it's it, uh, no, but we we fought hard for that last uh, that last half seven miles. One of the things you said at the finish line was that this win was sweeter because you beat Dallas. Talk to us about this. Yeah, I mean, whenever you know we're competing against the best in the world, and um, you know, right now, currently, you know, for for the last five years, the six years, Dallas has been the best in the business. You know, he he, he set the bar really high, and if you wanna if you wanna be the best, you gotta beat the best. And I feel like we um, the race this year was phenomenal, but it made it even better that we were we were ahead and we beat the best guy in the business. Um, so it's uh, yeah, and that's a like I say, that's a that's a compliment to Dallas. He he, he is an amazing dog musher, and um, it just uh, it said a lot about my team that we were able to send him off and, and beat him. You have a tattoo on your arm that reflects your race. Tell us about the tattoo and how it affects you. Yeah, well, it was a race, and. Uh, that uh, I, I put that tattoo on there a few years back when I had problems and I, I didn't feel room. Like I kind of swept up in the race and, and, and didn't run my own race and didn't focus on my own dogs. And so after that race, I uh, I had put uh, I, I had handwritten out uh, "Run Your Own Race" and it was tattooed on my forearm. And yeah, it's a constant reminder that, that the only way you can do well in these races, the only way you can really succeed is if you run your own race. If you focus on your own dogs and, and um, don't worry about your competition, at least until until you get towards the coast and towards the end of the race, then you might have to do some adjustments. But, um, you know, for that first five, six, seven hundred miles, it's all about running your own dog team and, and get yourself uh, lead to, to race towards the end. What did you learn most from doing the I Did Rap this year? What did I learn most? Um, I think uh, maybe in the end um, I learned uh, uh, that, that I really, really wanted to win. And now winning has always been an important thing to be able to big goal, but it's always been about the dogs and about the journey and about all the training and all the fun that we had. But when I was out there at the dorm, I think that it was kind of like a culmination of all the years that kind of come together, and, and, I, and I definitely learned that, that winning the race for, for these dogs and, and for myself and for our kennel was a really big was a really big deal, especially we, since we had fought so hard that all the way to the finish. And so yeah, it was something that I was a little bit surprised about, but I was so driven at the end to, to make this race happen. And, um, yeah, it was fun. We had to dig a little bit deeper than we'd ever dug uh, before, and uh, that was also pretty fun. We realized that you won around $50,000, the first place prize, and it's not that much in the mushroom world. What do you plan on doing with your winnings? <laughs> Stop buying dog food. <laughs> you know, I mean, in, in the end, that's the most, all this money just goes right back into the dog. You know, we'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be buying stuff to prepare us for next season, basically. I've already started thinking about next year's race and, and the improvements that we can do and a little bit of equipment for improvements here or there that I can do. Um, but most of the money goes uh, to feeding the dogs and keeping my homestead up and running. Um, that's, that's the important lifestyle that I live out here. Um, really, is important to, to have the success we've had over the season. So maintaining the homestead and keeping running around here is a, is a top priority, and then all the care that, for the dogs. So um, in the end, it all, it all goes back to the dogs.
Are you going to be back again next year? Oh, yeah. Yep, I will definitely be back to run another Iditarod next year. It's, uh got the plans to run some other races as well. Those are all kind of up in the air still, but we've got, we've got some big plans for next season, and we'll, we'll definitely, definitely be back to defend the title. What was your most favorite memory about running the Iditarod this year, besides winning? Uh, I think probably uh, the most, oh man, it's so hard. There's a lot of really uh, high points during this race. The dogs were really excellent. But probably when we when we got out of that storm and I, you know, it was all dark or whatever, and we came out of the, came out of the really bad wind, I came to the top of the hill and we looked out and we could just, the moonlight was lighting up the sea ice. And I knew that I had made it to the coast at that point. We had gotten through the wind and the top cocks, and uh, and I was on my way down to the coast. And at that point, I I was um, you know I was just so so relieved that we were able to get out of the storm. Well, down, so it was uh, it was a relief to uh, to get to get out of that storm and then see the sea ice and know that it was just a wonder. Our final segment on our show is a new segment which we are calling Most Valuable Dog. We'd like you to pick a dog you feel is worthy of being called Most Valuable Dog for your Iditarod race. Who is the dog and tell us all about him or her. Uh, well, it was a, a toss-up between the player and the third and the third and the third and the third um, of my main dog, Silver, who is kind of the basis of my entire animal. Um, and he is just uh, amazing. He, he really did all those awesome things that Brett Silver were really strong drive to want to go all the time. Nothing bums him out. He was driving it right into that wind and never even beat it. He never even skipped a beat. You know, it, that his, his determination and, and He's also very mellow and low-key. He doesn't get excited about much. He does. He's not barking, banging in the harness. He just kind of does his job. And, and I think that um, he kind of epitomizes my entire breeding program. And, and uh, he has two other brothers that were in the team as well, Pink and Woody. Um, and they're the orange dogs, the, the lighter-colored dogs that are in my team. And, yeah, Slater just he led for about 850 miles of the race. Um, so he led most of the race. And uh, was happy to do it the whole way. And I'll finish. I don't need to have him. His grandpa's tradition um, and the dog that we got for. Slater is a character in a movie, uh, a movie called Days of Confused. <laughs> Did you say if he has finished the, uh, the Iditarod before? He has. Um, he has. I hadn't said it, but that's a good question. He um, he finished in 1920. Um, him and his brothers, they've run 5,000 uh, mile races, and two of them were Yukon Quest wins. Uh, one was a third place in Iditarod, one was a fourth place in Iditarod, and now they've won Iditarod. So they've, they've won three out of the five races uh, that, they've ever, that they've ever run. 
So his um, Slater and his brothers are a very talented group of dogs. Is he on a break now or back to training? They're all kind of on a break now. Um, we, you know, we'll work with short runs and just kind of playing around and a lot of loose running and letting the dogs run free and stuff now. It's kind of, they're, they're definitely on vacation. I um, will be heading up to the Arctic at the end of, um, or in the middle of April uh, to guide some expeditions. And so they'll go back to work um, for a few weeks here uh, in, in April. Um, but just, you know, we're just traveling real short compared to the thousand miles of the years on a dinner on. Um, but we're but the training will never stop. The actual, you know, bonding and, and spending time with dogs and we're 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 with them all the time. But, but the actual training in harness is kind of they're they're definitely on a bit of a break right now. Thank you so much for being on our show today and congrats on being the Diderot champion. Have a great day. Yeah, you guys too. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Special thanks to Brent Sass for being on our show today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or people you would like to hear on our show, please email us at huskytalk1 at gmail.com. If we hear from you or you leave a review, we will read it on the show. We would also like to give credit to Hobo Jim for our intro song, the I Did Rod Trail song, and our outro song, In the land of the midnight sun. They call this race the Iditarod Trail. To me, it's Reddington's Run. In my heart, it's Reddington's Run.